Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, September 23rd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks fall around the world as higher rates fuel fears of a slowing global economy. Goldman Sachs slashes its forecast for the S&P 500. Oil's on track for its fourth straight weekly decline. And Credit Suisse shares slumped to a record low. We'll tell you why. Officials believe several deaths in a Manhattan nursing home are from Legionnaire's disease. Plus, referendums begin today in Russian-occupied Ukrainian cities. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. And I'm Scott Seidenberg. The chase for 61 will have to wait another day. All that and more coming up in sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving lower this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 31 points. Dow futures down 232. NASDAQ futures are lower by 114 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 830 seconds. The yield on the benchmark, 3.74%. Amy. Nathan, it is all about the markets this morning. The S&P 500 on track for a second straight weekly loss. Yesterday, it closed at the lowest level since June. 10-year Treasury yields are trading near its highest level in a decade. The two-year rate is climbing for 11 straight sessions. Now, Ryan Dietrich is chief market strategist at the Carson Group. September is the worst month of the year. When you're weak heading into it, like down 15% for the year like we were this year, September's are really, really rough and can be dicey. So, sure, the Fed matters. We're not ignoring that. But the stage was set, honestly, for some, for some potential weakness. Carson Group Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich says the S&P 500 is just 2.5% above the low set in June. And there could be even more pain ahead. Amy, one Wall Street firm says the selling is still not over. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Goldman Sachs is slashing its year-end target for the S&P 500 index to 3,600 from 4,300. That implies a 4.2% drop from yesterday's close. Goldman says a dramatic shift in the outlook for interest rates moving higher will weigh on valuation for equities. The higher interest rate scenario in Goldman's valuation model supports a price earnings multiple of 15 times compared with 18 times previously. Goldman said the risks to its latest forecast are still skewed to the downside because of the rising odds of recession, a scenario that would reduce corporate earnings and widen the yield gap. However, the bank's strategists say a year-end rally to 4,300 is possible if inflation shows clear signs of easing. In New York, Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak.
Thank you, Lisa. Meantime, cash is king. Bank of America strategists say investors are flocking to cash and shunning almost every other asset class as they turn the most pessimistic since the global financial crisis. The bank says cash had inflows of $30 billion this week, while global equity funds saw outflows of $7.8 billion. Now we saw more equity losses in Asia overnight, Amy. Stocks in Hong Kong led the declines. Let's get the details from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index posted its sixth weekly decline. The longest streak since May, equities were down Friday in Hong Kong, China, Australia and South Korea. Japan was closed for a holiday. Aussie bond yield spiked the two-year up by as much as 28 basis points, the highest since April 2012. And the offshore yuan continued to hold past seven to the dollar despite the PBOC setting a stronger yuan fix for a record 22nd day. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Juliet. The sell-off is also continuing in Europe where the region is poised for another weekly loss for stocks. Let's get the Tales with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London. Good morning, Ewan. European stocks declining today at the end of a week that made very clear that central banks are not done yet. Europe stocks 100 now down one percentage point with energy shares leading losses. Adding to that decline, not for the first time, Credit Suisse shares slumping to a record low today. That's after the troubled Swiss bank was forced to deny a report that it's considering exiting the US market. And banking also in focus in the UK government's mini budget today. The cap on bankers' bonuses inherited from the European Union is to be scrapped. A planned increase in corporation tax also to be scrapped and the top rate of income tax that is going as well. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Ewan, thanks. Higher interest rates around the world have oil on track for a fourth weekly decline. Crude is poised for its first quarterly loss in more than two years as concerns about a global economic slowdown weigh on demand. Checking prices now, NYMEX crude's down 2.2% or $1.85 at $81.64 a barrel. Brent is down 2% at $88.65. But, Nathan, those losses for oil may be short-lived. Some of the Wall Street's biggest banks see crude rebounding in the fourth quarter. J.P. Morgan Chase forecasting Brent crude at $101 a barrel the final three months of the year. Goldman Sachs is targeting $125. Brent trading around $90 today. Analysts say low inventories and sustained demand will keep prices elevated despite concerns of a global slowdown. Well, we have COVID news out of Asia this morning, Amy. Hong Kong is announcing plans to cut pandemic uh, prescrip- restrictions, sorry, scrapping hotel quarantines for inbound travelers starting Monday. Those flying to the city will no longer need to take a PCR test before departing. Instead, they can take a rapid test. They will still need to take PCR tests upon arrival, though. Let's turn to corporate news now. Boeing is in focus. The company agreeing to settle an SEC investigation into safety issues on its 737 MAX planes. We get details from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Boeing has agreed to pay $200 million to settle SEC allegations that the company and former CEO Dennis Mullenberg failed to disclose issues with the 737 MAX jetliner. Mullenberg will pay $1 million as part of the agreement. Regulators say Boeing and Mullenberg did not reveal safety problems with the 737 MAX, which was involved in two crashes that killed 346 people. The twin tragedies prompted one of the longest groundings in aviation history. Boeing previously paid a $243 million fine as part of a $2.5 billion settlement with the U.S. Justice Department to end a criminal investigation. That was in January of 2021. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. Jeff, thanks. FedEx is cutting costs and increasing rates. The giant package carrier is looking for as much as $2.7 billion in savings to deal with slowing demand and a tight labor market. Last week, FedEx shares suffered their worst day in 40 years. 
after the company pointed out worsening economic conditions. S&P futures are down 31 points. Dow futures down 229. NASDAQ futures down 113. Local headlines and a check of sports next. This is Bloomberg. All right, thank you, Nathan. It is 6.07 on Wall Street. We bring in Michael Barr now to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. New York City health officials believe five people have died in a Manhattan nursing home of Legionnaire's disease. The outbreak over the past year took place at the Amsterdam nursing home in Morningside Heights. Authorities say four deaths have been confirmed to be connected to Legionnaires. Officials are investigating the fifth death. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is being sued by a state lawmaker for allegedly wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars in state funds to fly dozens of Venezuelan migrants to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, what critics have called a political stunt that tricked vulnerable immigrants. Florida State Democratic Senator Jason Pizzo from Miami also asked the court to stop DeSantis from transporting any more migrants to other states. Meanwhile, DeSantis says about $10,000 paid to an aviation company to fly migrants to Delaware has not been put to use. He was vague, though, about payments for sending migrants north. The policy is we want to voluntarily transport away from Florida so that we don't have to bear the cost, and that there's a vendor that is doing that uh, for us. Governor DeSantis made his comments at a news conference in Miami-Dade. Voting has begun in Moscow-held regions of Ukraine on referendums to become part of Russia. Ukraine and the West have denounced them as shams without any legal force. The referendums follow President Vladimir Putin's order to have partial mobilization that could add to about 300,000 Russian troops to the fight. Former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, William Taylor, says Putin is looking for ways out of the war now that Ukrainian advances have made peace talks less likely. He's running out of soldiers. He thinks by instituting this draft or this call-up, he may be able to replace these soldiers that he's losing day after day on, on the battlefield. Former Ambassador Taylor spoke to ABC. NASA plans to slam a small, harmless asteroid as an experiment. A spacecraft named DART for double asteroid redirection test will zero in on the asteroid Monday and intend on slamming it head-on at 14,000 miles per hour. Scientists say the impact should be just enough to nudge the asteroid into a slightly tighter orbit around its companion space rock. NASA scientist Tom Stadler. At the end of the day, the real question is, how effectively did we move the asteroid, and can this technique of kinetic impact be used in the future if we ever needed to? NASA's Tom Statler says the asteroid is about 6.8 million miles away. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 610 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, Amy. Yankees fans will have to wait another day before seeing Aaron Judge hit home run number 61. Judge went 0 for 2 last night with three walks and a strikeout. But the Yanks got the win, 5-4 over the Red Sox in 10 innings on Josh Donaldson's fourth walk-off hit of the season. It's the Yankees' 16th walk-off win. That's one shy for the most walk-off wins 
in a single season in Yankees franchise history. Here was Donaldson after the game. You know, it's happened a couple of times this year, so, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, disappoint. With the win, the Yankees officially clinch a postseason spot, and Aaron Boone becomes the first manager to reach the postseason in each of his first five seasons. The Yankees have a seven-and-a-half game lead in the AL East over the Toronto Blue Jays. NBA News, the Boston Celtics have suspended head coach Ime Udoka for the upcoming season, the team citing violations of team policies in its announcement. Assistant coach Joe Mazzula takes over in the interim. Week three of the NFL kicked off last night. The Browns defeating the Steelers 29-17. On Sunday, the Jets will welcome in the Bengals. The Giants host the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right, thank Thank you, Scott. Futures are lower. S&P down 33 points. Dow futures down 244. NASDAQ futures down 119 points. Ten-year Treasury down 9.30 seconds. The yield at 3.75%. The two-year yield at 4.18%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, oil headed for a fourth weekly decline. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny and breezy. We're going up to 65 degrees today with plenty of sunshine tomorrow going up to 70 degrees. Could see rain on Sunday going up to 75. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Global bond yields are surging. Stocks are extending their declines at the end of a week that underscored expectations for tighter monetary policy and a slowing global economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 31 points. Dow futures are lower by 234. And Nasdaq futures on the decline by 116 points, a drop of 1%. The 10-year Treasury is down 730 seconds. The yield 3.74%. The yield on the two-year 4.17%. NYMEX crude is down 2.3% or $1.92 at $81.57 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1% or $16 at 1665 an ounce. The euro 0.9765 against the dollar. British pound 1.1122. The yen is at 142.74. Bitcoin is lower by 7 tenths percent at $19,100. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Nathan, thank you very much. The special master in the case of document seized from Donald Trump's Florida home says the former president's lawyers have to state in a court filing whether they believe the FBI lied about the items. Judge Raymond Deary told Trump's legal team that they have until September 30th. Residents in occupied parts of Ukraine began voting today in a Russia-run referendum on joining Ukraine. The vote has been widely condemned as a sham. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 5-4, clinching a playoff berth. He came close, but Aaron Judge fell short of tying Roger Maris's AL record of 61 home runs. The Orioles and Giants won. The A's lost. Thursday night football, the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Gaming.
All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 620 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Oil is headed for a fourth weekly decline after interest rate hikes around the world darken the outlook for energy demand. Joining us, Bloomberg Senior Executive Editor for Energy and Commodities, Will Kennedy. Well, good morning to you. Thanks so much for taking the time with us on this Friday morning. We know crude is on track for its first quarterly loss in more than two years. What are you watching for? Well, I think the oil market right now is caught in a battle between macro and economic factors and the nuts and bolts of the oil market. On the macro side, the price has been facing uh, huge hedge winds as uh, policymakers around the world uh, raise interest rates. Um, raising fears of an economic slowdown, and the dollar strengthens. Dollar strength is normally uh, inverse to oil. Oil goes in the other direction. So it's been battling those headwinds, and right now those headwinds are winning, but it's not clear whether that pattern will hold as we go in towards the winter. Globally, supplies remain very tight. Uh, People are um, producing at maximum or close to maximum all over the world, um, and global stockpiles are are falling. So there is a view that... uh, this uh, slump could reverse as we get into the winter when oil demand tends to rise. Let's get into that a little bit. Some banks saying that there could be a rebound for oil in the fourth quarter. Some details about how that might work. Well, uh, you get a bump in demand as you go into the winter. So there are some parts of the world, Japan, northeast US, parts of Europe, uh, which use oil for heating. Uh, that boosts demand for uh, middle distance diesel uh, and jet fuel around the world. Um, so that tends to be a, a bullish factor, and all the more so this year because alternatives uh, such as natural gas in Europe especially are incredibly expensive. So those people who can use oil will use oil. Um, there may be also industries that switch out of gas into diesel, diesel generators. That that will be uh, more to supply. Um, and then a lot of the – one reason the oil market has stayed under control in recent months is this uh, massive uh, supply of oil out of the strategic petroleum reserve in the United States. It's not clear how much more oil will keep coming from the SPR, and that could change the balances uh, on the supply side as demand rises. Let's talk about what's driving the volatility in these markets, in the oil markets, and what could settle things down. When are we going to see a break? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think one thing about one observation we could make about the oil market is liquidity is down. Uh, There aren't as many people trading oil, um, and uh, that's because uh, there are a lot of investors who feel that the volatility um, isn't attractive to them, and the fewer people you get – uh, the more um, the more volatile it is. Less liquidity means more volatility, and it's a bit of a self-perpetuating cycle. So that's one reason. The other reason is that it's just the sheer volume of factors that's pulling the markets in, in different directions, everything from politics and the war uh, to OPEC policy to all the financial and macroeconomic background that I've just uh, described. And I don't think there's any reason, uh, given the flow of events we're seeing at the moment, for that to end anytime soon. Are we looking at a perfect storm of events that you just described? I mean, give me a historical perspective. If we've ever seen this before. I mean, the oil market has gone through some pretty dramatic times before. In the pandemic, we saw negative oil prices in the global financial crisis, the Iran-Iraq war. Um, But I do think that uh, it's a particularly interesting time because you have these enormous geopolitical events combining with really big events in the market, uh, people trying to contend with the prospect of a slowdown on a recession on the one hand and the real risk to supply that we're seeing because of uh, the war, war in Ukraine. And 
the confluence of those two very big things, I think, is uh, makes it one of the most momentous oil markets in some time. How much of an impact is the war in Ukraine? And I ask because we got word this morning that Russia is looking to boost its military industry complex by 40-some-odd percent, which indicates that they plan on being in Ukraine for a long time to come. Yeah, I mean, I think what markets are looking for is two things are going to happen. Europe is going to introduce a ban on importing Russian oil, and that will change the flow of Russian oil all around the world and Traders are very interested to know whether Asian buyers who've kept buying Russian oil have increased their purchases of Russian oil, principally India and China, could increase their purchases further, or whether that ban by the European Union means that some Russian oil just won't find a market and production will fall. The other thing that we have going on policy-wise is this idea that the G7 would impose a price cap on Russian oil, and that's an attempt to make sure the oil keeps flowing, but in a way where Russia doesn't really benefit from uh, higher prices. Lots of skepticism about how that would work, but if it's introduced, it will have some impact. So both of those things are introducing a lot of uncertainty into the market as we go into the crucial winter months. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us on this morning, Pleasure. Friday morning. Will Kennedy is Senior Executive Editor for Energy and Commodities for Bloomberg News. Futures are lower. S&P down 38 points. Dow futures down 283. NASDAQ futures down 137 points. Much more still to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130, weather sunny and breezy, going up to 65 degrees. We'll see 70 degrees with sunshine tomorrow, and then on Sunday, a chance of rain going up to 75 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. We are about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers Global Analyst. Helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies that may have greater growth potential. Try IBKR Global Analyst today at IBKR.com slash GA. Up first, the S&P 500 is on track for a second straight weekly loss. Yesterday, the index closed at its lowest level since June as higher interest rates continue to hit sentiment. Jess Menton covers equities for Bloomberg News. Technology sector looking at discretionary shares, also industrial companies really coming under pressure following what happened with that sell-off after the Fed's move, but also more globally. This isn't even just the Fed. Investors are really trying to digest what's happening because it's been over 500 basis point moved by global central banks right now, getting aggressive to tackle what's happening with inflation and traders really trying to reprice. Bloomberg's Jess Menton says it appears investors aren't expecting the Fed to cut rates till sometime next year. And there could be more pain ahead, Nathan, when Wall Street firm says 
the selling is not over. Goldman Sachs is slashing its year-end target for the S&P 500 to 3,600. That's down from 4,300. You're watching the dash to cash this morning, Amy. Bank of America strategists say investors are flocking to cash as they turn their most pessimistic since the global financial crisis. Jennifer Lee, senior economist with BMO Capital Markets, says firms like hers are lowering growth forecasts, but still there is strength in the labor market. We've actually been lowering our growth forecast steadily like everyone else, and we've actually got euro growth now for 2023. Uh, we still have only one quarter of negative growth. I guess the big difference here in terms of recession is the labor market. You know, anyone who has multiple job offers out there, you know, take one because it's not going to last. This is all part and parcel with what happens when there's a central bank who is aggressively tightening. You're going to see that slower growth. You're going to see it hit consumer spending, and you're going to see the jobless rate tick higher. Jennifer Lee with BMO Capital Markets says she expects unemployment to continue to rise in the coming months. Stocks in Europe and Asia are lower this morning, so is oil. Crude is on track for a fourth weekly decline and could record its first quarterly loss in more than two years. And Amy, Hong Kong's announcing plans to cut COVID restrictions, scrapping hotel quarantines for inbound travelers starting Monday. Those flying to the city will no longer need to take a PCR test before departure. Instead, a rapid test will suffice. But uh, travelers still will need to take a PCR upon arrival. They're still banned from going to bars and eating at restaurants in Hong Kong. That's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers with futures on the decline this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. All right, thank you, Nathan. 6.33 on Wall Street. Now we bring in Michael Barr to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. Health officials suspect five people have died in a Manhattan nursing home of Legionnaire's disease. The outbreak over the past year took place at the Amsterdam nursing home in Morningside Heights. Four deaths have been confirmed while a fifth is being investigated. Residents in Russian-occupied parts of Ukraine begin voting today in a referendum on joining Russia. The vote has been widely condemned as a sham. Former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, William Taylor, says Vladimir Putin is looking for a way to bolster support for the war inside Russia. This is because Putin is losing support for this war that he wants to do some sleight of hand that says, well, actually, this is really Russia. So now it's really the the Ukrainians and the West against us. Former Ambassador Taylor spoke to ABC. A man charged with assault for allegedly slapping former Mayor Rudy Giuliani on the back and using a derogatory term is suing New York City for $2 million for false arrest. Daniel Gill was seen on a video in June touching Giuliani on the back with an open hand while Giuliani was at a Staten Island ShopRite supermarket supporting his son Andrew's campaign for New York governor. Hurricane Fiona is pounding Bermuda with heavy rain and winds as it sweeps by the island. Deadly protests are raging across Iran over the suspicious death of 22-year-old Masha Amini while in police custody. She was arrested by Iran's so-called morality police because she was said to be wearing her headscarf improperly. Speaking through a translator at the U.N., Iranian President Ibrahim Rahisi said Amini's death is still under investigation. Rest assured that whether it's vis-a-vis the deceased young lady or others, the Islamic Republic will not allow the trampling upon the rights of anyone. Iranian President Raisi says he spoke to the woman's family. A new poll shows despite his legal issues, support for former President Trump remains unmoved. According to a New York Times-Siena College survey, about 44% of voters viewed Trump favorably. 
About the same as an earlier poll in the summer. Meanwhile, Republican strategist Doug High discussed the release of the House Republicans' commitment to America agenda ahead of the midterm elections. I think Republicans have opportunities here to define themselves on three issues even further. Inflation, uh, crime, and the border. And if, if, we're, if the conversations on those three issues, even if Republicans don't have a fully fleshed out plan on inflation, they don't, and neither does the White House, then if, if that's what we're talking about, Republicans are going to do well. GOP strategist High spoke on Sound On, which airs at 5 p.m. on Bloomberg. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 6.36 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, Amy. Some excitement in the Bronx last night as fans thought Aaron Judge had home run number 61. Although it felt shy being caught at the wall, the Yankees would go on to win in 10 innings over the Red Sox 5-4 thanks to Josh Donaldson's fourth walk-off hit of the season. Here was Aaron Judge after the game. I was hoping maybe it was blowing out in the time I was hitting, but, you know, just missed it. But it lined up for a nice little J.D. walk-off, that's for sure. It was the 16th walk-off win for the Yankees this season, one shy of the most in a single season in franchise history. Tonight, Judge will get another crack at number 61 when the Yankees and Red Sox face off again. Garrett Cole gets the start. Rich Hill for the Red Sox. NBA news. The Boston Celtics have suspended head coach Ime Udoka for the upcoming season. The team citing violations of team policies in its announcement. Assistant coach Joe Mazzula takes over in the interim. Week three of the NFL kicked off last night. The Browns defeating the Steelers 29-17 on Sunday the Jets will welcome in the Bengals. The Giants host the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right, thank you, Scott. It is 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks and some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. And for that, we are joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Kriti, good Friday morning to you. How are you? Well, good morning, Amy. There's a few stock movers I want to bring to your attention and really kick it off here with, with Costco, actually. Uh, for international audience, Costco is a retailer uh, that I wish had more presence in New York City, admittedly. <laughs> um, but, but it's basically a retailer. It's a wholesale retailer. Economies of scale really works in their favor. Things like buying in bulk, for example. So when you are looking at an environment where people perhaps want to spend less, want to buy a little bit less, uh, Costco is going to be uh, one of the stores, one of the companies that is in the firing line. So COST is your ticker here, down about 3% in the pre-market. This is actually coming after they make an announcement saying they're choosing not to raise their membership fees this coming amid record renewal rates in the company's fourth quarter. Um, this is interesting because one of the things that a lot of retailers have been talking about is that even in the face of perhaps uh, lower sales or lower volume of sales, at the end of the day, they are able to make it up because the margin is increased. So think Nordstrom, think Macy's. Perhaps people are paying less, but it's okay because the prices are higher and therefore net-net they make the same or, or arguably even a little bit more. Costco doesn't have that same luxury because on this one hand, not only do they have to do you have to kind of pay up to get the economies of scale? So your unit price is lower, um, but at the end of the day, you are still paying more, um, say, on one given shopping trip. And that's something uh, that kind of tends to put some of their customers uh, away, just given that you also have to pay a little bit of a membership fee. So the fact that Costco isn't raising their membership fee, Amy, weighing on those shares this morning about 3%. 
All right, tell us what else you have, especially with DocuSign. That's something that's interesting that everybody has to deal with once in a while. Oh, absolutely. It's become all the rage post-pandemic. I would argue three years ago, I didn't even know what DocuSign was. D-O-C-U is your ticker, down about 1.8%. And remember, the entire market is down, but the fact that this one is down almost 2% uh, is quite something. This is coming after Morgan Stanley, uh, or excuse me, um, after they announced the board of directors had hired Alan Thigason as its chief executive officer. There's a little bit of wariness in the market right now about simply a change in leadership for DocuSign. So keep an eye on those shares down at 1.8%. But what I was mentioning about Morgan Stanley, it actually has to do with advanced micro devices, which Amy is the last mover I'm going to leave you with here, Mm -hmm. down about 1.5%. Morgan Stanley trimmed their price target to $95 from 102. They're saying a worsening PC end market is not going to help their bottom line. They're also talking about a collapse in gaming um, and perhaps some headwinds on the client business. Right now, the shares are trading around 68.48. So the price target still still seeing some upside $95 but not quite as much as before all right Bloomberg radio and TV markets correspondent Creedy Gupta always a pleasure thank you so much for joining us looking at stocks as a whole futures are lower S&P down 42 now Dow futures down 316 points Nasdaq futures down 147 points 10-year Treasury down 1130 seconds the yield at 3.76 percent this is Bloomberg Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny and breezy as we go up to 65 degrees. Plenty of sunshine tomorrow going up to 70. It's going to be nice. 75 with a chance of rain on Sunday. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks are plunging this morning. Let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call with Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Nathan. That's right. U.S. futures are plunging once again with Dow futures down 339 points. S&P's dropped 46 and Nasdaq futures declined by 152. The U.S. 10-year-old at 3.76%. The two-year is now at 4.2%. Gold is down 15. Oil is trading lower and Bitcoin is down by 0.9%. Hong Kong fell 1.2% overnight, while European markets are also under pressure, with 2% losses in Germany, Italy, and Spain. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 945, manufacturing and services PMIs. After the bell last night, Costco reported shares are down 3% in the pre-market. In other news, Goldman Sachs cut its year-end target for the S&P to 3,600 from 4,300. And wrapping things up, Domino's Pizza raised to outperform at BMO. Datadog was raised to neutral over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Nathan? Okay, Bill, thanks. To get live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on the terminal SQUA Go. That's a Bloomberg business flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. In Russia, traffic is jammed at border crossings and crowds are packed at airports. Most of those trying to get out are young men of military age fleeing Vladimir Putin's draft after he called up 300,000 reservists for the war in Ukraine. Protests are are also taking place in the streets. In the NBA, the Boston Celtics suspended head coach Ime Yudoka for a year for violating team policies. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 5-4, clinching a playoff berth. Aaron Judge hit deep, way back on the warning track. Yukon Cornelius, nothing. It fell short, tying Roger Maris's 
AL 61 home runs. They'll try again tonight. The Orioles and Giants won. The ALs lost. Thursday night football, the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts. In more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. We're at 649 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news in science and technology now. The Bloomberg NJIT STEM report is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT is ranked top 10 nationally on money's best engineering colleges list. What will you make at NJIT? Learn more at NJIT.com. Now, here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. The U.K. government has formally confirmed it is lifting a ban on fracking in England, arguing the move will help boost the country's energy security amid Russia's war in Ukraine. Prime Minister Liz Truss announced within days of taking office earlier this month she would reverse a 2019 ban on hydraulic fracturing. That is a controversial technique that's used to extract oil and gas from shale rock. NASA plans to slam a small, harmless asteroid... As an experiment, a spacecraft named DART for double asteroid redirection test will zero in on the asteroid Monday, intent on slamming it head on at 14,000 miles per hour. Scientists say the impact should be just enough to nudge the asteroid into a slightly tighter orbit around its companion space rock. And Apple Music will replace Pepsi as the presenter of the Super Bowl halftime show. Pepsi's had its name on the star-studded intermission since 2013. According to Sportico, Apple may have paid as much as $50 million a year for the five-year deal. This year, more than 120 million viewers watched Super Bowl halftime. That's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Amy. All right. Thank you, Nathan. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. It is 6.51 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. And some of the top stories in our nation's capital include voting starting in four Russian-occupied regions. President Biden says the Catholic Church is not as strict on abortion as Republicans are. Public safety bills have gone through the House and won support ahead of the midterm elections. And the special master asking the Trump legal team if they believe the FBI lied about documents seized from Mar-a-Lago. There's a lot going on. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins joins us now to sort it all out. Emily, thanks once again for joining us. Voting underway in four territories in Ukraine. The Biden administration calls this a sham election. What is the U.S. response to all this? I mean, that, that that basically is it. What you just said, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has strongly condemned the vote, calling it a sham referendum. They see this as an escalation of Russia's plans to annex swaths of Ukraine. Uh, this is a really reminiscent of a similar 2014 ballot in Crimea uh, that led to, to Russia attempting to, to annex the territory. And of course, this comes as we've seen a lot of tensions with Russia lately in Ukraine. There have been military setbacks for Russian troops, and then Putin's decision to call a 300,000 reservist to fight in Ukraine. That has led to a number of protests among the Russian people. So it really seems like we're, we're, Russia's at a point, uh, Putin is at a point where he is really struggling as far as what next steps are going to be. And, and this is the environment that they are now holding uh, the, these votes today. And, uh, you know, already, you know, uh, Ukraine, uh, the U.S. and a number of other countries just don't believe that this election is going to be legitimate in any way. Now, Emily, has the Biden administration indicated how far it is willing to go to push back against Russia here? Are there any clear lines that they won't cross? I mean, I think these are the same lines that we've initially seen. Uh, they always said that they would not be sending U.S. troops 
into Russia. That has remained the case, even as the U.S. has given numerous amounts of, of aid, uh, weapons, artillery shells, uh, and has continued to encourage its allies to support Ukraine and to continue doing what they can to put sanctions and to put pain on Russia. Um, but at this point, yeah, I, we don't really, it, it's just sort of a, a continuation of what we're seeing there. Um, the, the U.S.'s sort of red line of not sending troops in has remained. Let's turn to Capitol Hill now. Closer to home, President Biden criticizing Republicans for restricting abortion access. And the president said that the Catholic Church is not as strict on this as Republicans are. What's the response there? I mean, it, it was a bit of an odd statement to make, uh, especially because his point was that about the exceptions, um, exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. It's one of the big things really being talked about right now in the abortion, in the abortion debate, whether there should be exceptions made for that. Now, actually, Senator Lindsey Graham bill does include exceptions uh, for rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother. But Biden seemed to be implying during this uh, speech that that Graham's bill did not and that um, the Catholic Church would, would, you know, what would want those exceptions in place. I think really, Amy, what this speaks to is the fact that abortion is going to be a huge issue for Democrats in the next several weeks. They've already seen how it can mobilize and turn out voters in Kansas, in New York, uh, to a certain extent in Alaska, where Democrats have all notched uh, victories in recent months. And they think that this is going to be a really good issue for them. And so expect to hear Biden and other Democrats continue to talk about it and expect them also to continue to show all Republicans as being extremists who don't support these exceptions, even though, of course, there are many Republicans who, who support these exceptions, just as Republicans will often try to uh, muddle what Democrats stance on as abortion to make it seem more extreme than where most Democrats are. All right. So we're going to see how this moves the needle during the midterms. Meanwhile, public safety bills have passed the House. You have a story about this on the Bloomberg Terminal. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this is an interesting package of bills here. Um, they deal with uh, certain aspects like mental health, uh, justice for uh, victims of crimes, but it also would give additional funding, $60 million over f- uh, each year for five years, to smaller police departments. So police departments with less, less than 125 officers help them with things like training and recruiting. Uh, there was a lot of debate over this particular piece of the legislation because you did have some very progressive members, namely the squad that said that they did not want to see additional funding for the police at this point, being they did not feel that the accountability measures in the legislation were strong enough. And so you saw a little bit of tension there, a little bit of a division between the, the Democrats. At one point, it looked like this uh, this package might, might actually not wind up coming to the floor at all. But Democrats did get it through, and this is really going to help a lot of more moderate Democrats go back to their constituents and say, hey, Republicans are trying to tell you that we're soft on crime. Look at this bill that we just passed supporting police officers. And that's, it's again, it, it gets wrapped up pretty quickly in, in the election year politics. Any chance it's going to make it through the Senate? Actually, uh, got, uh, the, the bill that deals with funding uh, small police departments, the Senate component actually passed unanimously a couple weeks back. And we know that uh, Congressman Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey is working with his Senate counterparts to reconcile those House and Senate bills. That said, as far as the timeline here, Democrats have uh, House Democrats have three days left before the midterms. So I would. So while this bill might be able to get to President Joe Biden's desk, it doesn't seem likely that that would happen uh, before the elections. Okay, Emily, one minute to go here. We want to talk about Mar-a-Lago and those documents that were seized. What are you going to be watching for as this makes its way through the courts? 
So uh, one of the big things that just came out yesterday that is very interesting is that the special master, that third party overseeing the documents, he has ordered uh, former President Trump's lawyers to back up their out-of-court assertions that the FBI might have planted evidence on the property during their search. He's uh, said... Judge Raymond Deary is basically saying, hey, you've made these claims. You need to back them up. We need to see any sort of evidence on this one. Uh, it's been really interesting to see how Deary has sort of approached these documents, approached Trump. I mean, Trump backed uh, Judge Raymond Deary to be in this role, and yet uh, the judge certainly has not been lenient on him or his legal team. All right. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, want to thank you very much for bringing us up to speed. There was a lot in there. Thanks so much. You can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And as a reminder, you can follow all of the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Futures are lower. S&P down 51 points now. Futures down 380 NASDAQ futures down 174 points. Bloomberg Surveillance with Tom Keene, Lisa Abramowitz, and Jonathan Farrow. Coming up next, along with Nathan Hager, I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.